Today's GM Street is brought to you by Yahoo. Show me the football. Are you ready for live football on your phone? With the Yahoo Sports mobile app, you got it. Watch local and primetime NFL games on your phone or tablet all season long. Never miss your local game. Never miss a big national matchup. All you need is the Yahoo Sports app. Get the Yahoo Sports mobile app now, and you are golden. We are also brought to you by our friends over at Belvedere, the world's finest all-natural vodka. Belvedere is made with a 100% non-GMO Polska rye, pristine water from their own natural well, and no additives. And an exciting new development, the ring will be partnering with Belvedere to host their first-ever crossover podcast featuring Ryan Rosillo from Dual Threat and Kevin Clark and Robert Mays from the NFL Show, all live from Caesars Palace in Las Vegas on November 12th, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time, right after the Monday Night football game. Join Rosillo, Clark, and Mays as they discuss all things NFL plus a number of valuable gambling and fantasy tips. Come hang with the Ringer NFL crew in Vegas on November 12th. Visit bit.ly slash Belvedere Live to purchase your tickets. This very special live podcast is all made possible by the world's finest all-natural vodka, Belvedere. And please remember to always drink responsibly. See you at Caesars. And now, GM Street. the GM Street part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Friday. It is November 9th, and I am joined on the line by the great Michael Lombardi. Lombardi, how you doing? I'm great, Tate Frazier. How are you doing? Great to be back in North Carolina. You know, a little basketball tour. It's awesome, man. It's been good, huh? It's been great. It was fun to be on the road, uh, be out in the real world, go and see people face-to-face. Went to Bloomington, Indiana, went to Indianapolis, went to Louisville, Kentucky, went to Columbus, Ohio. Was that your first trip to Indiana? That was my first trip to Indiana. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. That was. Uh, it was a very interesting place to be and uh, got to see the Mecca of basketball. The, the craziest thing to me about Indiana Lombardi is that uh, John Wooden is claimed by every city. Every city we went to it was the home of yeah. John Wooden. Well, he, um, well, he's Indiana's legacy. I mean, he's part of the Indiana culture and the framework. And I mean, let's face it, the great greatest basketball coach, you know, everybody should lay claim. I, I can never forget, you know, we used to go to Indiana every year, obviously for the combine, but I would go to hear Coach Knight talk back in the late 80s. He would always speak to the student body right before basketball would start before the midnight madness started, you know, mm-hmm. and he would host a group of, uh, of students and he'd fill the, he'd fill the auditorium with it and they would just Q and a him, and he was unbelievable, but there was nothing better than going there, watching basketball practice, you know, Belichick and I would sit there. Coach Knight would have us behind fuzzy Zella. The golfer was there one time. It was just great. I mean, I loved it. Love. I just loved watching basketball in assembly hall. I think the most organized practice I've ever seen in my life, Football, basketball, but it doesn't really matter, was Coach Knight's basketball practice. It was by far the most organized thing. To the detail, it was unbelievable. Uh, we went to the new assembly hall. They just did a bunch of renovations there. So we got to walk through and see uh, what they've been able to do there. They put in a couple of luxury suites, you know, as, as is prone to happen in college basketball these days. But for the most part, all of the, uh, you can just feel it as soon as you walk in, you feel the big moments that were in that building. And you, you see, it looks like a high school gym, but then you look up and you see how many seats are there and you can only imagine what it feels like uh, for a packed house at assembly hall. So it was very cool to see that in person. Um, and last night I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I was was excited to watch the Carolina Panthers play in the home of the Panthers, uh, and, it, and it started out well. They get a 75-yard you know, touchdown drive to open the game, take a 7-0 lead, and uh, with about seven seconds, uh, Ben Roethlisberger steps on the field, throws a 75-yard touchdown pass to Juju Smith-Schuster. Cam Newton throws a pick six. Vin, Vince Williams runs it back, uh, and in about 13 seconds, the Steelers never look back and take the lead, and they ended up just... Uh, to, to put it in Cam Newton terms, uh, they just got their butt whooped last night uh, up there at Heinz Field. No doubt. I mean, look, there's no way around it. I mean, look, I, the, the Panthers are a two-personality team. There's a road team and a, home, and a home team. They're really good at home. On the road, they've won road ge- have won one road game so far this year, and that's when they're behind 17 nothing to Philadelphia. And Philly's throwing the ball in the end zone to, to maybe win that game. So it, it, when you watch them on defense, they're just not good enough on defense. I mean, Bradbury's their only corner that they really have. The Jackson, the rookie kid, you know, I know he can run fast, but you could see last night on the Antonio Brown touchdown pass, the kid's never in, not in balance all the time. He can claim he gets pushed off, but fast guys, vertical speed guys sometimes have a harder time being in balance. He's got to get that fixed. He could be a good player down the road, but I think that's really the concern. And when you look at if their defensive line can't rush the passer and control the game, they struggle. They've only forced two turnovers on the road all season, and the only game they've won on the road, their offense didn't turn the ball over, was the Philadelphia game. So uh, Ron Rivera's got to figure out this team. He's got to find a way 
to fix the road problems. And for me, as a, a general manager in the league, the true valuation of your team, and I wrote about this in The Athletic talking about the Packers today, is when you evaluate your team on the road. That's the, that's the essence of who you are as a football team. And if you look at it, I mean, the Panthers are now 0-4 all-time at Heinz Field. The Steelers win their fifth game in a row. And you mentioned uh, the offensive line for the Panthers. I mean, the lot, bad lines don't travel well. You talk about that a lot on this podcast. But the bad secondaries don't travel well either. And Ben Roth Roethlisberger last night basically exploited them, uh, unlike anything we've seen in over a decade. I mean, he ends the game with a 158.3 passer rating, uh, a perfect passer rating, uh, like I said, for the first time since 2007. And uh, a lot of that credit has to go to Mike Munchak right up front with what he's been able to do with that offense. Of line. He's getting glowing reviews from in the building, outside the building, and you've noticed from, from day one that he's really made some big changes there. He, he's a great coach. I mean, you notice now they've changed the running game a little bit for Connor. When Bell was there, they would go hip to hip, and they let Bell just kind of stop at the line of scrimmage and wait, and then Bell would do that little hesitation, and then he, he would find a crease. And, and everything they do is so well detailed in the offensive line and coached, and he gets the players to rise to the level. Not only was Mike Munchak a great player, Mike Munchak's a great line coach. Coach, and he's worth his weight in gold. You couldn't pay Mike Munchak enough to really to, to fix your offensive line. What he does for that line is remarkable. But I think the untold story in Pittsburgh really is Mike Tomlin's ability defensively. Last night, I saw him with a call sheet. He slipped it in his thing. I never really have seen a call sheet with Tomlin. I'm not saying he's taken the calls away from Keith Butler, the defensive coordinator. But I think he's well more involved, and they're attacking the pocket. I mean, on this five-game win streak, only the Falcons have gained over 300 yards. They've held every other team to under 300 yards. No team's gained 100 yards rushing on them since week two of the season when the Chiefs did it. And they've done a great job of creating, of, of fixing their defense and finding ways to attack the quarterback and pressure the quarterback. And I, and I think you got to take your hat off to the Steelers organizationally. They didn't panic. They just have come back. They've won five in a row. And now they look like the best team in the North. They do. And if you're an AFC team and you're a contender, you're probably worried to see Ben Roethlisberger and this team clicking together, even with all the distractions early on in the season with the Le'Veon Bell situation. Seems like they've moved past that, which is good news for all the Steelers fans in the world. I have one question I wanted to ask you. This is just uh, uh, an aesthetic decision or, you know, a coaching decision at this point, but they're down 50 foot, 52 to 14, the Panthers are, and they decide to pull Ryan Khalil from the game, the center Ryan Khalil. They leave Cam Newton in the game, and uh, Josh Jobs comes in for the Steelers, obviously, because they had such a big lead and as a GM I mean are you concerned if you see your quarterback still in the field when you're down 52 to 14 or is it just you know Cam doesn't want to come out of the game or is this Ron Rivera saying we still need to work on some things offensively I just wondered that seemed like a, a an odd decision to take Khalil out and then leave Newton in yeah I mean I would say that that would that struck me as odd too Tate Frazier I, I like look he was getting he I mean he took a pounding I mean he's sore today Trust me, he's sore today. I mean, he took some hits from T.J. Watt that are just unbelievable. I mean, they beat him on that one protection, the tackle in the back. You know, everybody kind of blitzes the Panthers a certain way, especially with slot blitzes because the back has to dual read on both sides, and they get him almost all the time. You know, you saw a little bit of, of Dick LeBeau last night in a way they attacked, and and that Panther offense has had trouble with those slot pressures, and he took a beating, and I agree with you. I mean, he should have come out of the game, but – Unfortunately, you know, they kept him in there. Why? I don't know. Maybe Cam just said, hey, I'm staying to the bitter end, you know, but but he's sore today. And I'm sure this 10 days all right, this break he's going to get is going to help his shoulder. It's going to help his overall body. And I want to talk about another uh, guy that got taken out of the game, not by his own choice, but by the officials. And that's uh, the safety, Eric Reed. He was disqualified in the third quarter for, quote, unnecessary roughness for forcible contact to the head and neck area of a sliding quarterback. Um, you know, people were talking about this on Twitter. There's obviously a lot of uh, back channeling that has gone on, you know, with Eric Reed. He came out after the game and said he had been, he had taken his fifth random drug test since he came back into the league. Um, and, you know, we, we'd we already seen some of the stuff with Malcolm Jenkins earlier, a few weeks ago. Um, so Eric Reed gets, you know, disqualified in this game. People were, were saying that it shouldn't, you know, it was controversial to say the least, but I, I just, from the rule, did you think it fit the the rule and then if it does fit the rule should we try to change the rule because it did seem that he dodged Brothersberger for the most part but uh you know it, it has now become a talking point after the game yeah I, I mean I think that's such a bang bang play I mean look the the Brothersberger slid late do, do I think it should have been called a penalty yeah I think there's no doubt to get thrown out of the game man I don't think he you know I I, I think it's hard to control your body I think those officials or anybody or or, or in New York uh you know, can they actually do that on the field? 
you know, we made such a big deal of it this summer with the helmet to helmet rule. And now we haven't seen any of those calls this year because they, they're too hard to officiate. I, mm. I, I just think to me, it's, I think it's really hard for a player of the talent and the athleticism that these kids have to be able to control their body in a split second. I just think it's really hard. And what happens when, you know, Russell Wilson or one of those guys or Cam Newton or a, a guy that does run and does put himself out there and some Mitchell Trubisky could be one of these guys where they do fake like they're going to give themselves up on a slide and then they spin out and, you know, a defender doesn't go after that play yeah. for fear of getting thrown out of a game. Like, wh- where is that line? Because I know that will happen eventually and then people will really be up in arms. Yeah, I think there's no doubt, Dave Frazier. I think if you're smart, you pretend like you're going to slide and keep going, you'll get out of the game. It's a little bit like the fake spike rule. Somebody's going to do it. You know, fake spike, throw the ball in the end zone, fake slide pretend like you're going to go down and then just keep going, you know, and uh, I, I don't know. I think it's hard. I think it's really hard to officiate. I think it's hard to understand intent when the game's at such a high speed level, but they keep making these calls. They keep and last night blew me away. I mean, I never heard about timely fashion. I mean, Pereira introduced that on TV last night when that one touchdown, I didn't think Vance McDonald, that was a touchdown pass at all. I mean, it, it didn't look to me like it wasn't even close to be. I mean, I thought he was bobbling it the whole way. You know, mm-hmm. I, 20 people in the bar saw that Vance McDonald catch. I promise you 20 people were going to say, I don't think he had control of that ball. You know, and we went over that yep. like it was nothing. I mean, we, we went over that like it was like a cup of coffee. I mean, I've seen him take and then the spot. Uh, Rivera challenged the spot on second and one so he could get a first down, which I thought was a stupid challenge. I mean, you got three downs to get a first down. Why waste a challenge on a yard? You know, like make it substantial. But anyway, he did. He won the challenge. But the reality of it is they took way more time on that than they did a touchdown pass. And then Pereira comes on TV and says, well, you know, in effort to speed up the game, they're, you know, when did that, when did they end it? I missed that memo. When did that come out? Like when were, I didn't know we were speeding up the game. I didn't know. I didn't know that was happening. Could somebody tell us? I mean, they just make up rules as they go along. That's the thing that drives you crazy. And as a player, I mean, you saw after the game, there were a bunch of Panthers guys bringing up some of the flags. And, you know, they all had the caveat, as we know, like, you know, what Cam said. I mean, they got their butt whooped, but they brought up the the touchdown catch. And they brought up, I mean, there was one spot, I think, that they got marked for a first down, but it looked like it was a yard and a half short. But the, the spot was a yard and a half up for the Steelers. And then, he, did, then and, he couldn't challenge it. Vance McDonald, he couldn't challenge that one because, you know, I guess because he had the earlier challenge. But that one isn't even close to a first down. Mm-hmm. And he didn't challenge it. He didn't challenge that one. I mean, like, you know, it's like, and, and, you know, people are looking for the replays. I could see Rivera was looking up at the box for the replays. Well, you're on the road. Sometimes they're not going to show you those replays. You know, mm-hmm. you got to rely up yep. on the guys in the box. They, they got to tell you. And you got to, you know, you're sitting right down there on the field. You know, they just make up the rules as they go along. And it's unfortunate, but that's how they do it. And uh, to, to point out, I mean, the Steelers have, that was the most points they've ever scored at Heinz Field. 52 uh, to 21 was the final score in this one. So putting up 52 points, I mean, they, they put the AFC on alert that this team is a true contender, a team that seems to have found their identity and a team that is not worried about what's going to happen with Le'Veon. And they've moved, you know, James Conner does go out of this game with concussion protocols, I mentioned before, but but it does seem like they have figured out who they are and and they, they don't even talk about Le'Veon anymore. So that's a good no. place to be. There's no other questions. I would just... I, you know, you can't redo James Conner. He's on a rookie deal yet. But as soon as you can redo his contract, I would say, you know, this $8 million that Le'Veon sold us, saved us, we're going to give it to you sometime. Because th- if, and just thank Le'Veon on the way out the door. Because he saved him $8.5 million. Now we're going to give it to somebody else. You know, I would take <laughs> well, that. I yep. would take that eight and a half million and I would give it to another player on the team and I would do it as soon as I possibly could to, th- to thank Le'Veon. Say, thank you very much. Really, truly appreciate that. Thank you for doing it. You know, the, you know, we appreciate you allowing us to have the ability to re-sign some of our young talent because of your stupidity of holding out. You know, imagine people are giving me crap on Twitter last night about, well, you know, the player needs to protect. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's the dumbest holdout in the history of sports. Like, it was so stupid. Like, why would you hold out? You know, I would I would give, like, I mean, I'd give Cam Hayward, DeCastro, Villanueva. I would just pick out five. I would pick out those offensive linemen and take that two and give them all two million bonuses. Screw it. Thank you. For, and t- yeah. Just thank Le'Veon. Th- thank you, Le'Veon. Appreciate it. <laughs> Maybe that would help with the locker room stuff when he comes in. If they're all if Cam Hayward and TJ Watt, and the, yeah, they're all holding a million dollars after a sack last night of Cam Newton. That'd be pretty nice. I, I'd, say what, I'd tell you what, I'll tell you what, Frazier. I don't think that locker room's upset at all. I, I think that locker room's, fr- uh, that locker room is like me. They can't figure out how you can pass up eight million. Like they can't figure it out. Like you never make it eight and a half million. You're never making that money up. Don't tell me you're worried about your future. You're never worried. You, you, you're, you're never going to make that money up. 
Anyway, we got games to pick, Tate Frazier. We can't keep picking on Le'Veon Bell. But I would pass, I would give that money around. I would say, okay, here, fellas. Antonio Brown, you need a raise, but here's a, here's a million. Marcus Gilbert, now you're not playing enough. I, Cam Hayward, here's a mill. I would give it 10 players, eight players get a mill. You know, it's like and, George Clooney. You know what George Clooney invited 15 <laughs> of his best friends over to the house? Gave him, gave him bags of cash, right? Gave That's him bags what it was. of coin. Like, what a great guy George Clooney is. That's what I would do. I would George Clooney it. <laughs> Screw it. There you go. There you go. Mike Tomlin can be the new Clooney. Just brings them all in, sets them around the table, gives them a million dollars. And to be quite honest, I mean, Le'Veon tweeted out it was a it was a cryptic tweet because he flipped the you know he basically took a picture of uh, what he was typing, then he flipped it back the other way, so it was written upside down. And he said, "If you care this much to read this, you already care too much." I mean, the he seems like he's content with his decision. It, I think it's a pride decision. I don't think it's a, a money decision. I think he's just trying to send a message on his own terms. Who knows what that message may be? But he's content with what he's doing with his message. Show. We'll let them have it. And if you're a Steelers fan, you're fine because this team looks like a legitimate contender in the AFC. And if they play like they did last night, they can beat anyone in the NFL. All right, Lombardi, before we move on, let's take a quick break. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can create a big parlay. Shout out to the parlay kid. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600. There's so much to bet on. The Cowboys and the Eagles play this Sunday night and what could be an NFL playoff elimination game. Plus, we got college football, NBA, NHL, and of course, the return of college basketball. Sign up this week, and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win also make sure to follow at bet my bookie on twitter you'll be the first to know as soon as new odds are posted and they've given away more than ten thousand dollars in free money to their followers this football season alone don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year log on to my bookie right now and use promo code ringer nfl to get 50 percent deposit bonus that's promo code ringer nfl you play you win you get paid back to gm street This is the Friday sit-down. We do five picks every single week. Uh, we have made it to week 10. We're in the double digits now. We have a lot of games this week uh, that, that are, you know, the only two teams with winning records that are playing this week, I thought was a nice tidbit. The Saints are playing the Bengals, the only team, two teams with winning records that are going head-to-head. So it'll be an interesting week as far as the spread and trying to figure out some of these games. The first game that we have on the dock at Lombardi, the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the Rams are favored, favored by nine and a half in this game. Uh, the Seahawks are a team that's kind of, they're, they're sort of finding their footing, bouncing back, uh, even though they had the loss to the Chargers last week. And uh, as we talked about in this podcast, they nailed the under on that one but uh do you think that uh russell wilson can find a little bit of magic down there uh going up against the rams coming off a loss to the saints you know i think without chris Carson, i don't think the running game really i'm losing carson he's not going to play this week i think it affects him that's why i like the rams here i think the rams you know will generate that those points i think the rams will will you know they moved the ball on them the first time they played them their defense didn't play as well i think their defense will play a little bit better and get after russell i know 10 points a lot of points to a lot of points to give up to another team, especially in the conference. But to me, I think the Rams are are focused. I think that loss in New Orleans stings them, and I think they're going to come out and they're going to they're going to come out and I think they're going to try to do the things. I mean, look, they got thirty first downs the last time they played them in, in Seattle, you know, and mm-hmm. they 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 were they moved the ball. They had four hundred sixty eight yards of total offense. And, you know, they, it was a close game, but I, I think it'll be better. I think the difference in this game will be they'll, they'll play better in the red zone. I mean, they were four for six the last time in the red zone. I expect them to have a really good game because I think McVay, the second time he plays somebody, always gets better. And I think he will. And uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that Rams scene, but it does seem like after they lost that Saints game, they were very uh, vocal about um, they're not worried about the perfection thing anymore, and they kind of got that monkey off their back, and they they feel uh, almost it seems like they feel looser now that they have lost the game. As weird as that is, after losing uh, down in New Orleans last week, uh, let's get to the next game we have. We have the NFC East showdown to see who's going to make a run for a playoff, uh, a potential wild card, hopefully, but trying to get some some control in the NFC East if they can. We got the Dallas Cowboys traveling to Philadelphia. Uh, the Eagles are favored by seven in this game. And as we know, the Eagles have the second-ranked run defense uh, in the NFL right now. The Cowboys rely on Ezekiel Elliott, even though in five of eight games this year, he's not reached over 80 yards. Um, and he's trying to figure out uh, if he can get more touches later in the game. For whatever reason, it seems like they go away with him, but it's usually because they're down anyway. Uh, in this one, Lombardi, you think the the Cowboys can go into Philadelphia and uh, and get a win and get back in the race for the uh, NFC East? No, I, I like the Eagles here a lot. I think, I think it's good. You know, I think the Eagles will stop 
their run game. I mean, the Eagles the last three weeks, the teams have run the ball 17 times exactly against them the last three weeks. One team game 147, then another 121. And then last week in, in the uh, before the bye, 70, Jacksonville. So they've given up some yards, run the ball. But I think they'll fix that. I, I think they'll fix that. I think this Cowboy offensive line is going to be in for a world of hurt. I think Connor Williams wasn't playing well. He's not going to play this week. I think that's going to be really difficult for for them to run the ball effectively. I think they'll put pressure on Dak. And I think Wentz, when you've watched Wentz as the season has gone on, I think he's gotten better and better with each game. You know, in Jacksonville, when they played in London, he averaged nine five three per attempt I mean he's starting to get better two concerns if you're the Eagles you're horrible in the red zone on third down you're the worst team in football you've only converted four third downs all season and you you start slow I mean last year the Eagles scored 107 points in the first quarter this year they've only scored 21 I mean they've got to play from in front that's how they play the best defense when they play from in front but I really like Philly here I think this Cowboy team is trending really in the wrong direction with or without Amari Cooper. I think their defense hasn't played as well as I'd hoped they would. Sean Lee's out again with a hamstring. I mean, at some point, you just got to say, hey, look, durability is more important than ability. And you talk about durability. Is there any concern? I mean, the Eagles, they had their bye week and they you know, thought that maybe they'd be able to get some guys back. Jalen Mills, cornerback, still out. Sidney Jones uh, will still be out in this game. Darren Sproles re-aggravated his hamstring. You got Lane Johnson dealing with the MCL sprain. So you, you got a bunch of guys there with the Eagles that are going to be out. But as we saw last year, uh, it, it's next man up with that team. And it seems like no matter who's out there, they could they still kind of say, play. as long as Carson Wentz shows up, uh, it seems like that offense can keep uh, keep going and keep flowing no matter who who uh, who's suits up. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, Dallas is 29th on third down on defense uh, on their defense. So they can't stop you on third down. The Eagles are really good on third down. You know, the the Cowboys passing defense on second down is one of the worst in the league. They're 30th overall. So Wentz is going to throw the ball on second down. They're going to play Canadian football. And then they're really bad in 2 minute. You know, their offense can't score. Mm-hmm. They haven't scored all season in the NFL in 2 minute drill. And then here's the stat that really jumped out to me. In 2016, Dallas was the eighth best team in converting third third and four to six. They were the eighth best team. That's why they controlled the ball so much in 2016. That's why they won so many games. They had all those third and what people like to call manageable, and they converted them. This year, they're 29th in the NFL because the Eagle, because the Cowboys haven't changed their scheme. They're still trying to run the pivot routes with Beasley and still do the crossers, and people know what they're doing. I just think it's going to be really challenging for them to play on the road and win. They're not a good road team. They got shellac last week. I mean, Tennessee beat them. Tennessee did, in fact, beat them. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be a hard game for the for the Cowboys. I like the Eagles here. Yep. So we'll keep an eye on the birds. By the way, Tate uh, Frazier, Tate yep. Frazier, that uh, my man, the clapper, the, that Halloween costume has over a million views. <laughs> you know, can you believe it's that? A perf- the guy's incredible. I, I watch videos of my grandchildren constantly, you know, both of them. You know, they send videos to me. I, I But I, I got to admit, other than my grandchildren, I watch that video probably more than anything. Yeah, I keep watching it too. I, I don't know if it was a Halloween thing that that got it going, but uh, he should just dress up like that at every game and, and just show up. You know, remember the guy that used to dress up like Andy Reid yeah. uh, at the Eagles games back in the day? We need this guy to do this for Garrett. Just follow him around because uh, I mean the team may confuse him for Jason Garrett at this point because he does he, he acts the part perfectly. Yep, uh, it, it's almost too good to pass up. Let's get to the next game. We got the Los Angeles Chargers. Philip Rivers, uh, he loves playing the Oakland Raiders. Loves I mean, the him. man. Always, always plays well against them. They're traveling up to Oakland. Uh, they are favored in this game by 10 points. Is, is that too big of a spread, or is this another game where Phil Rivers can dominate against these guys? I, I think, I, look, I think Phillip Rivers can dominate. I mean, the only thing holding me back, Mike Badgley, they, they brought him up from the practice squad. You know, he kicked at the University of Miami, at least at the University of Miami. I mean, he was 172 for 179 on extra points. So at least he can make extra points. I mean, you know, he's only missed seven in his in career. So, you know, and he was good this summer. And so he was, you know, I, I think at least gives them some hope. I don't know why they didn't replace Sturgis with him earlier, but let's go back to Rivers. I think Rivers has just been unbelievable. But two players stand out on San Diego, and it's not Keenan Allen and it's not Melvin Gordon. I mean, Tyrell Williams and Mike Williams, they both mm-hmm. average, Tyrell averages 20 and a half yards a catch, and Mike Williams averaged 18 a catch, and they have 10 touchdowns between the two of them. I mean, they get down the field, and the Raiders have nobody that can cover. And so now with Travis Benjamin back, they can really exploit. And I just think, to me, this is a hard matchup for the Raiders. I think the the Raiders can't really compete. If this gets to be a fast-paced game, they got to hope Rivers turns the ball over, and he hasn't done that this year at all. He only has three interceptions. <laughs> 
Yeah, he hasn't thrown a pick in the last three times he's played the Raiders, and he's completed 83% of his passes in his past three, in the past three games against the Raiders. Um, so Philip Rivers, for whatever reason, he likes playing Oakland, and uh, and he's, he tends to show up. And as it stands right now, I, I don't know if people in the national media have really picked up, but Phil Rivers should be in the conversation for the MVP, right? I mean, no he, doubt. he has done everything. No doubt. I mean, he, he and Drew Brees, I mean, both these guys are 20 points higher on their quarterback rating as they get older. They age like fine wine at this point. Um, Unfortunately, Lombardi, uh, we we have some uh, we had some technical issues on our end. Uh, the microphone uh, with Lombardi in Ocean City is is acting up, and uh, we can't get uh, a call into a studio to record them on the phone. So we're going to go ahead and call this one and wrap it up. Uh, we're going to get to the fantasy football guys here in a second, but first I want to give out the last two picks that we have for for Lombardi this week. We got Jaguars Colts Colts favored by three in this game. Uh, we got Blake Bortles traveling up to Indianapolis. Bortles has been great up in Indy uh, the past past four games at least that he's been going up there and uh, we talked about Rivers going against the Raiders maybe there's a chance for Bortles to get some magic back uh, the Colts have won two in a row we know the Jaguars have lost four in a row they get four net back this week um, so they're hoping that they can run uh, the ball again and, and get some possessions on their end and, and Lombardi uh, before he cut out was talking about the fact that uh, you know with with this Colts team, uh, it's a chance for them to make a run of the division if they're able to get a nice win this week. But he does believe that Fournette will help with time of possession. That defense will get back uh, rolling like we saw a little bit last year and get, and get a nice win in Indianapolis. So Jaguars are the pick there in the Jaguars-Colts game. Final game of the week, we have the Miami Dolphins taking on the uh, Green Bay Packers in Green Bay. Packers favored by 10 in this game. Adam Gase said Sam Darnold is no Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he was correct in that statement. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, even though the line is pretty large here, despite being three, four, and one, this is a must-win game to keep them into uh, in the in the playoff picture in the NFC. Dolphins five and four winning record, but have struggled on the road. Lombardi really likes the Packers in this game and expects them to handle their business against the Miami Dolphins. Again, we do apologize uh, for the technical difficulties here on GM Street. This is uh, this is what happens when two guys are remote and they're trying to get a podcast together. Um, uh, equipment always doesn't work out, but at the end of the day, here we are. Uh, we did bring up at the end of the podcast uh, that was not able to get recorded via mic uh, about Mitchell Trubisky and the Lions. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, Trubisky and, and how great he is as a quarterback. Of course, you know, I'm kidding. Uh, if Lombardi was on the line, he'd get upset that I said that. But uh, we talked about that game and, and the chance for the, the Bears to take control of the NFC North with a nice win there. But overall, uh, those are the big big games, big things to look out for this week in football. Lombardi and I will be back. We will have everything mic'd up on Tuesday and get this thing back going. We'll get full reactions in Week 10. We appreciate everyone for their patience and, and listening to us uh, as we continue to stroll through this long, beautiful season of NFL football. And now we're going to take one more break, and then we're going to get the fantasy football guys. Meet Sonos Beam, the smart, compact soundbar for your TV and newest addition to easy-to-use home sound system. Beam lets you play everything you love, from music and radio to movies, TV, podcasts, and more. Even use AirPlay to enjoy sound from your iPhone or iPad on Beam, all with rich sound that fills the room. Enjoy deep bass and detailed stereo separation for music, plus crystal clear dialogue for TV and movies. All it takes is one cord to connect Beam to your TV, and it syncs with your existing remote. Or you can get hands-free control with Alexa, which is also built in. The Sonos app walks you through setup step-by-step, but if you don't even want to bother setting up your speakers, Sonos will send someone to do it for you. If you live in any major metropolitan area, Up and Running will have a Sonos expert deliver and set up your system absolutely free. Just order from Sonos.com and select Up and Running at checkout if you qualify. And we're also brought to you by Pixel. Unleash the most powerful Pixel ever on the network chosen by Google Verizon. Pixel 3 has more than just any camera. It takes wide-angle selfies, snaps, and portrait mode, and has the power of Google Lens, which means you can search for what you see. Pixel 3 gives you Google Assistant so you can make reservations, buy tickets, check your commute, check the weather, get flight updates, and more, all with a simple squeeze or just by using your voice. And when you get the Pixel 3 on Verizon, it comes with America's best network. And now, families can mix and match their unlimited plans on the best network. With unlimited on Verizon, everybody in the family gets what they want without paying for the things they don't. Visit your local Verizon store today or learn more at vzw.com. And now, the Danacy Football Podcast. Welcome, 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 DK, to LA. Thank you. Welcome to the Danacy Football Podcast. I am joined in this studio. Live and in person. By my co-host and co-Danny, Danny Kelly. Yep. How are you doing, DK? Doing great. 
This is fantastic. It's We're great here. to be here. Jim is at the table. That's right. Jim. Wow. Jim is at the table. This is it's a little That's too the close happiest for comfort, Jim has ever been on this podcast. I think. Yep. Smi- Are you okay? <laughs> That's all. Jim's smiling. It's strange. Craig, how you doing, Craig? I'm lovely. Lovely. Happy to be here with everybody. Wow. Wow. This what is choice. touching. Yes. Well, this won't last very long, so we might as well just get going. Yeah. Uh, four teams on by this week: Broncos, Vikings, Ravens, and Texans. Uh, so a lot of questions about starting and sitting. Uh, we don't know exactly your teams or leagues as well as you do, but as always, we have thoughts. We've got and them. Now from Jim, we have smiles, which yeah. is so nice. So shall we hop into a lightning round, DK? Yeah, let's get it going. I think first on the list, Leonard Fournette, back from a multi-week uh, little sojourn away from the lo- from the lineup. Back at practice, two full practices this week, which is great. Doug Marone said they're going full bore with everybody. Uh, once once a guy is ready to play, that has to be our expectation, he says. So, sounds like Fournette's going to get a full load of carries this week. I like him this week, but maybe that's just me being really, really hopeful that he won't just be a complete waste of a draft pick. But I, I'm I'm in on him this week. Yeah, I'm in too. Uh, I'm not in an every injured guy this week, as we'll get to, but I think he's going to play. He's going to get all the carries. Uh, if you're afraid of him still and— as you're allowed to be, I would maybe consider trading him away if he has a strong week this week yeah. at the deadline. But you know, I, I would ride with him. The one thing I'm worried about: Jaguars haven't break, they haven't broken 100 yards rushing in the last three weeks. He's been gone, of course, so that's been a factor. But they've been really pass heavy. They're like leaning on Bortles way too much. How do we feel about Yeldon? I mean, I'm out on I'm out, I'm out on Yeldon and Hyde. Hyde Hyde really to me just is one of the more depressing ones because he was just a bell cow with the Browns for the first half of the year or whatever and. Now he's just a non-factor in my mind. I would actually keep an eye on Hyde if whoever owns him cuts him in the next few weeks, and then if Fournette, Fournette gets the hurt injury, again, <laughs> yeah. or like Yeldon because they obviously traded for him. So the Jaguars themselves obviously don't trust Fournette's health the rest right. of the season. Right. Which that is more interesting to me about this than anything that the Jaguars actually gave up a pick uh, fifth rounder because they didn't believe. So that's that's super interesting to me. But otherwise, I think he's good for this week. But wouldn't be shocked if he has problems the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, another guy, the I have opposite feelings here. Sony Michelle is returning. Mm-hmm. Everyone thought that he was just going to be out for the year, just watching that on tape. Uh, he was limited at practice on Wednesday. The Basically, he's going to be questionable. As Adam Schefter said, a good week of practice with no setbacks, and he will play. The issue is this is the Patriots, so it's a little murky. He could be ruled out right before. It could be a game-time decision. He could get 20 carries. He could get three. I think it's hard because you're going to like have a lot of variance. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't just ease him back in, especially when they have Patterson as the goal line back. I would play him if you have, like, no other options. Like, I, I can see a world where you're, like, trying to figure out if you should start, like, Rashad Penny, for example. Mm-hmm. No, if you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> but otherwise, if you have, like, a solid option, which you probably do if you've made it at the SAR, I actually would understand if you want to bench him and see him. I mean, if he scores two touchdowns, gets 80 yards on your bench, like, at least you know he's healthy from now on, and he's, right. like, a top-10 guy. But I can totally see him getting, like, six carries and 30 yards and no touchdowns, and he, you know, they ease him back in because he almost had a season-ending injury. They're going, so, up, they're going up against the Titans, too, who have a good run defense this year. They've given up the fourth-fewest amount of points to running backs in fantasy, and that's half PPR. So it is it is a tough matchup as well. So, I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I've got him in one league. I don't really have uh, many great options other than him kind of just leaning on him this week. So I'm in. But I, I definitely get if you're a little bit nervous and want to wait and see, you know, what he's going to do when he's healthy. Yeah. Even if he plays, uh, I would probably somewhere around the Jalen Richard, actually. Probably that's the line right. for me of like, who would I play over him? I mean, again, this is all we're doing this on Thursday afternoon. And yeah. this is going to be like something probably as of noon Eastern on Sunday. So we'll <laughs> yeah. see. But if it's still like a real question, then I'm actually just curious that even if he does play, it's not worth throwing him because who knows how many he's going to get. Yeah, the next guy, Adrian Peterson of the Redskins, going up against Tampa Bay Bucks. Obviously, the Bucks' defense is terrible, uh, and so that is like a nice matchup with for Peterson. But going forward, the Redskins' offense is going to be a big question mark. They're basically their whole entire line is hurt right now. Trent Williams is out for a couple more weeks. They lost both starting guards to the, to the injured reserve. Morgan Moses is banged up. I just don't know if I can really trust Adrian Peterson right now. I just think. He's had a few games this week where he just kind of, or this year where he just kind of lays a goose egg and you just don't really know what to expect. Obviously, he's been a big part of their offense in a few other games, so it's just hit or miss. But I think I'm out on him this week until we kind of figure out if they can still run the ball with that offensive line like that. Um, You know, and and again, the the Bucs' pass defense is so bad. Maybe they'll lean on 
Alex Smith a little bit more this week and, and going for it. But he's the kind of same deal with Michelle. If you have another option, I would probably go with it in this week. I would stick away from him. So the Tampa Bay defense, shockingly, is the number one defense at forcing three and outs this season. That is uh, more than shocking, yes. More than a quarter of the time. So glad the Giants let go Jason Pierre-Paul. But yeah, more than a quarter of the time they force a three and out. I think that when you have both your starting guards are hurt, that's really hard. <laughs> right. And your right tackle is banged up. So that's really tough for them. And obviously any running game is just the product of the offensive line and the running back. And it's easy to put it all on the back. But it's I, it's so hard, especially when Peterson's also dealing with multiple injuries. And as we saw earlier, so they had already decided they were going to give Peterson Wednesdays off mm-hmm. for the rest of the season. And they were so concerned about gelling their offensive line this week that had him practice on Wednesday because he had no chemistry or right. practice with any of these dudes. So that's really tough for them. So I'm the also other, out on Peterson. Yeah, the other thing is I could see the Buccaneers kind of just passing all over and then yeah. having the, the the Redskins get behind a little bit and then kind of just abandon the run. And maybe Peterson catches those balls and actually has a good day on the in the air more than— but yeah. it could also just be Capri, uh, Capri Bibbs. Right. Yeah, because Chris way. Thompson's out. So Capri Bibbs? Capri. It's definitely Capri. Okay. Don't, we'll go with that. Like Capri know. Sun. Shouts out the 90s. <laughs> I think they still sell Capri Sun. It's 2018. You don't get it. Get out of here. <laughs> Jim, what do you think of this nonsense? Speaking of the Bucks passing all over the place, who's up next? <laughs> Thanks, Jim. <laughs> what a segue. Um, yeah, Ryan Fitz, Magic. Oh, Jim is just all smiles. Uh, yeah, so Fitz is second in fantasy points per game among quarterbacks. Redskins are giving up the ninth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. Uh, Redskins' pass defense is not great. I think their defense and their whole season has kind of been saved a little bit by their defensive line because Kerrigan and Preston Smith and those that Alabama guys they have up front have been mm-hmm. really great for them. But, I mean, there's a reason they traded for Ha Clinton-Dix. Like, they're not really doing great on the back end. And then, so they've played three good offenses since they're by because obviously the Giants and Cowboys don't count. They have played the Saints, Panthers, and Falcons. And the Saints and Falcons crushed them. Just crushed them. And like we mentioned, the, the three and out, thing with mm-hmm. Tampa Bay's defense. I just think the Bucs are going to have really good field position throughout. There's been a lot of scoring opportunities and there's a chance they really just carve them up. So I love Fitz this week as always because how do you not love him? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in on Fitz until he tells, in, until he shows us any different. He's he's like and he top will. five To be clear, he will I don't will know, show. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, my next guy, Eric Ebron of the Colts. I'm just a little bit nervous that his run as one of the top five fantasy tight ends is over. Uh, Jack Doyle is back. The Colts really went to him. This was two weeks ago when they last played because they had a bye last week. Um, Doyle played 57 snaps in that game, 73% of the time. And then Ebron only played 17, which is actually fourth among the tight ends on that team. So he really kind of took a back seat in the offense. We'll see if that kind of plays out going forward. Maybe maybe he'll, I guess, be the number two tight end in that offense going forward. Who knows? But the Jaguars is, is a tough matchup, too. They're giving up the eighth fewest points per game. Two tight ends this year. That's in half point PPR. So it's a tough matchup. Ebron is down the depth chart now. I'm out. I'm out on Ebron until he proves otherwise that he's kind of still going to be a part of that offense. Yeah, I'm. I'm again. I'm still super torn here because on one hand he doesn't seem in line for playing, and on the other there's just no one to replace your tight ends with this year. So, well, yeah, coming in, coming into the game, he's like third or fourth. <laughs> in the NFL and red zone targets. And that's the thing is so, if you dropped him, he would immediately become the best streaming option you have. Right. So I don't know if you're you're cutting him exactly. Yeah. So I'm in by absolute default. All right, fair. Uh, last one, Old Yeller. <laughs> old Yeller himself, Larry Fitzgerald, I think will rise from the dead because uh, we killed him. <laughs> I, I probably killed him. But he has a touchdown two straight weeks. So Byron Leftwich, if you want to feel old, is now the Cardinals offensive coordinator. He's well thought of. And he has said he wants to revive Larry Fitz from the dead. I mentioned, so actually, I'm looking at those three and out drives. The Cardinals offense thus far is the number one team in three and outs per drive. 34% of their drives are Yeesh. three and outs, which is holy. It's bad. Their, their <laughs> offense, one in three. Their offense was almost as bad as the Bills to begin but the year. Yeah. Their offense, I think, has gotten better since Byron Leftwich took over. And they're facing the Chiefs, who obviously are going to pass a ton. But the Chiefs are 29th in forcing three and outs. They have... Uh, fourth from the league, fourth from the bottom, they forced just 14% yeah. um, three and outs this season. So I think the Cardinals' biggest weakness and biggest weakness to getting Fitzgerald the ball, uh, just extending drives, that'll be better. And then they have made much more of a concerted effort to get Fitz the ball. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be down a ton. So they'll have three quarters where they're down four touchdowns and all they got to <laughs> do is throw. Uh, also, yep. fun fact, Larry Fitz, 32 yards and he passes T.O. for second all time. 
all-time receiving list. Wow. Larry Fitz. What a legend. And I'm writing how he will never become number one this week. <laughs> well, Fun fact. He's got a long way to go, right? Did you? So the distance between Jerry Rice, who's number one, and yeah. Terrell Owens, number two, he, is 43%. He's 43. That's insane. He's 143% of Terrell Owens' numbers. Who's at number two? Yeah. It's nuts. Uh, Craig, you want to get your pot shot on me? You want to get a cheap <laughs> shot? Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So Amari Cooper, who— Yes. Danny and I, Danny Kelly and I are in the friend zone. And you are. Heifetz <laughs> said that quit. new receivers on new teams would not do well. Demarius Thomas, 61 yards. And let's look at Amari Cooper's game last week with the Cowboys. He had eight targets for five catches, 58 yards and a touchdown. He had more red zone targets that day than any other Cowboy has this entire season. No. With don't, four. Don't buy it now. This is a classic, like... Like, Overreaction. It's, it's a one-time like makeout, and it's going to have you on the hook for like another nine months into next year's draft. All right, take it easy. Let's let's ditch this metaphor. Yeah, yeah. So let's Cooper. get back into the numbers. Let's <laughs> let me let me throw a little stat at you. So last year in the eight games he received more than only five targets, he averaged thirteen point one fantasy points per game, which is good enough to be the wide receiver twenty three right now. Which is good. That's your wide receiver two on your team. Wide receiver twenty three. This year, he has been even better, and in the three games. He's received more than five targets. He's averaging 17.9 fantasy points per game, which would make him the wide receiver four right now behind only Thielen, Devontae Adams, and Are you using numbers Michael from Thomas. the Raiders? Yeah, Raiders is so sure. different Cowboys. Team. Yeah. A different team than he's on. So Derek Carr and Dak Prescott has made him the wide receiver four this year when he gets more than five targets. Okay. Not uh, bad. One was on a different team. And <laughs> I don't know. So no, I think here's the, the point is, is that you, when people throw him the ball, he does well. I would not go that far. Okay. I Where I'll give you this is that I do think that he's going to be forced targets because if he got that many in his opening, I think that Jason, I think the message was Jason Garrett needs to make this work or he will be fired. Like you're built an excuse of why did you cut Des? There's no one on the outside to play outside receiver. That is over. And if you don't get a passing offense here and we don't, because I mean, Dak Prescott's contract is up at the end of 2019. They still have no idea what they're going to, I mean, Jerry Jones said we're going to extend him, but they don't actually know what he's capable of in part because they have no receivers. And this is about if Jason Garrett can't make this work, then Jason Garrett is the next one out the door. But I do think that that means that he will be fed more. I'm still not. So are you in or out on him this week? I'm still out, man. I'm okay. still out. I, 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 the Eagles give up the fifth most fantasy points per game to When was receivers. the last, serious question. When was the last time Amari Cooper had two good weeks in a row? I don't know. I don't have it. Literally, has it ever happened? I'm serious. It's 100% it has happened. happened. Just oh, not, it has. A lot, not in a while. Oh, that was okay. on a different team. It was on a different team there two years go. ago. Now he's on a different oh. team. I love Lauren Cooper. I th- I, I'm even intrigued by the trade. He, he is young, and I know it's like, oh, he's 24. But he is 24. And that doesn't mean you should just play him every week. It's crunch time, man. Well, I'm playing him. Receivers don't Same. grow on trees, <laughs> but you can kind of find them lying around like, like <laughs> Pokemon Go or whatever. Yeah, let's move on. Craig, you have done more than your share. Uh, <laughs> sneaky pickups. <laughs> <laughs> sneaky pickups. Uh, real quick, if you have an IR spot in your league, as the Ringer League does, and I just did, uh, Rex Burkhead has been activated by the Patriots. Um, IR used to mean your season was over. Now it means that each team can activate two players from IR to come back like After a certain eight amount. Weeks, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, Rex six. Burkhead has been activated with the pa- Patriots' final spot. He's eligible to come back as soon as December 2nd, which is not very far away. I think this is fantastic, James White insurance. If you have an IR spot, I would do it. Any week that James White is out in December and Rex Burkhead is playing, he's probably like a top 15 guy, and he might even have value independent of that, but I would 100% pick him up, especially if you have an IR spot. Another For, one to, on be that, clear, to be clear, he's still on the injured reserve. Yeah. He is eligible to return week 13. So he's technically, I don't think, activated. He's, act, he's back to practice. I don't know if that they matters. Designated him, sorry, they designated him for return. Right. So he's he still on IR. He can't come back until week 13 is the point. But Which yeah, is December he, 2nd. He's, he's a guy to keep in mind. So yeah, but he could make the difference in your fantasy playoffs to my point. Right, right, right. If you have James White and James White gets hurt, he will, is and just Sony as Michelle good as James gets White. Hurt, or, yeah. he's, Cordero Patterson gets hurt. Then Rex Burkhead's the man. Oh, thanks, I think Jim. that I think Burkhead would be ahead of Patterson, don't you? I don't know, man. It could definitely disrupt the flow of like the Patriots offense from like a fantasy perspective, the predictability nature of it. But yeah, you should pick him up. All right. He was, the, I mean, the reason James White's having this season in many points is because Rex Burkhead got hurt. Cause if not, they were heading for their classic three people are going to split this and no one's going to have a predictable <laughs> week to week. Yeah. All right. And then Jeez, another critical crowd today. I wasn't even being critical. I was just correcting the activated 
thing. Oh, I don't even know if that well, matters. I appreciate the fact. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Um, going forward, Hunter Henry is someone to keep in mind. He's he's due back late in the end of the year, or he could come back late in the end uh, at the end of the season. I'm not super optimistic uh, about this. I yeah, just I'm think not either. So bad, and how many people are actually going to come back from IR that are worth having? Didn't Hunter? Didn't Henry tear his ACL? Is that what his injury yeah, was? Yeah, but like, yeah, whatever. I don't know what it was, but he, he's he's eligible to return late in the year. And then the third guy. If you have an IR spot in your league. Yeah, the third guy. Danny, you want to take this one? This, well, this is just, I mean, this is not a sneaky pickup at all. This is literally the opposite. But Des Bryant signed, and we had to mention him somehow. Uh, he's already been picked up in two-thirds of leagues or more, so this isn't <laughs> yeah. exactly. This is just more, I think, he's not going to play this week. It doesn't seem. He's not going to be activated. Lombardi had mentioned on the pod how he might be the Marcus Colson role. Uh, or yeah, the like Jimmy the big Graham slot thing. in the middle. Yeah, I think it's actually tough because he might. I think he might actually be after a whole offseason talking about how he's not that. He's more name than actual good football player. I think the irony is now he's might be a better real life person for the Saints than a fantasy player. <laughs> Obviously, he's got like the huge name still, but it's really hard to predict any flow of that Saints offense other than Michael Thomas. Yeah, um, and Kamara, and I think that if he's in that role. It might be really hard week to week to discuss. But I mean, I think, I don't know. You should probably pick him up, but. I picked him up in the Ringer League. I'm going to see how it goes. I think he, he hasn't been able to separate for a while in his career. and But at the same time, he might not be completely washed up. With a quarterback like Drew Brees, who can just put it on a dime anywhere, uh, that's kind of an interesting thought. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. It would be interesting if he became the Jimmy Graham in the red zone thing. Yeah. That would be really cool. He's, he's another one of those people that's just going to make. Everyone who has Michael Thomas or Kamara on their team is just a living hell because he's going to vulture touchdowns. 29 years old one week ago. He's now 30. That is amazing. All right, let's get into the streamer starting lineup. Uh, I was looking at quarterbacks, and then halfway through, I was like, I don't think people need quarterback streamings this week. I mean, I was looking at Baker and Nick Mullins. I don't know if I'd add Nick Mullins. Probably would add Baker, but then I was like, you know, the four <laughs> teams who are on bye are the Broncos, Vikings, Ravens, Texans. I hope no one's relying on, oh, no one's like, oh, shit, Cakes Keenum's on buy. What am I going to do? <laughs> uh, same with Flacco. If you have Deshaun Watson, you probably have a backup quarterback, I would hope. And then Kirk Cousins, I'm like, all right. So the Kirk Cousins owners who probably got him, what, 13th in their draft. Like, you have options. So, you know, I have been plugging Baker every week for the last month. Just stick with it. I feel like you probably have your option, and it's probably fine. I feel like you don't need it to throw anyone in. That's fair. Let's move to running back then. I like Mike Davis this week going against the Rams. He's a Seahawks running back. Chris Carson not practicing with a hip injury. Doesn't sound like the Seahawks really know how long he's going to be out. I don't expect him to play this week, probably just based on kind of like what happened last week. He he came, he didn't practice last week and then came into the game as a starter and re-injured his hip or his, his quad or whatever it was. And so I'm guessing they'll probably try and take it a little bit more easy. We'll see, but... If he's out, Davis is a really good option. Last time he started a full game, that was week four against the Cardinals. He rushed 21 times, 102 yards, two touchdowns, caught four passes, 23 yards. So he was a huge part of that offense. Um, the Seahawks keep talking about trying to get Rashad Penny involved, but I don't know. Davis has still been only in my prob- dreams. Probably a little bit more dynamic than Penny, which is, I mean, you know, there's well, it's a not lot, hard to be lot, more dynamic than there. Rashad Penny. So it's okay. Uh, although Mike Davis does look good when he runs, I enjoy it. Like he's just kind of aggressive. It's it's he's a good runner. Yeah, yeah, he is. And he, it's a guy who's owned in like a third of leagues in ESPN. I mean, he's just been getting starting reps for this team, and like that's a good example. of Someone I'd probably play over Sony Michelle if it's like Michelle's like a game time decision. Yeah, and I'm not sure if he's gonna get snaps. Next one for me, Jalen Richard, full time Craig's recommendation. I love this one. I mean, they're playing the Chargers. Maybe it'll be a close game. Might just be a. 38 to 10 blowout. Yeah. And it would be interesting to see if the Raiders are just trying to climb out of an early hole the whole game and just doing a bunch of dump offs to Richard. That one I love. The flip side of that game flow, if you think that the Chargers are going to blow out the Raiders, would be if Austin Eckler is mm-hmm. just going to get like a quarter to himself, just maybe. Get like the second yeah. half. Yeah. It'd be a good cheap daily start. Austin yeah, exactly. Eckler. Yeah, that would be really interesting. So I'm, I'm intrigued. You have to be into the Chargers blowing out the Raiders, but thus far, like, why wouldn't they? Right. And then after we talked about the Bucks and Fitzpatrick and everything. We had a disagreement here. I I still kind of like Chris Godwin more than Adam Humphreys. You disagree? Well, I don't necessarily disagree because I think Godwin is probably the better player. But Humphreys has just been getting way, way more looks the last three weeks. In fact, I saw this up for ESPN. Uh, The only receivers with more fantasy points than Humphreys over the past two weeks are Hopkins and Michael Thomas. I mean, like, Hmm. I don't know. That's not going to happen necessarily going forward. But they've just been looking to him a ton in any PPR league. 
I think he is a guy that you start until he's until he shows that he's not going to be keep producing like eight nine targets every game. So, I mean, I like Godwin. I think he's a talented guy. He he's really good in the red zone and all that. But Humphreys is just getting more volume right now. So, do you think that he Marquez Valdez Scantling, Geronimo Allison here in PPR? Yeah, I will say Godwin is averaging more red zone looks with Fitzpatrick than any other Buccaneers wide receiver. And that yeah, and that that was really my thinking here was that. I still like Godwin, uh-huh. and we'll see. One more week, and fine. I'll hop on your Humphreys train. <laughs> no, I'm sticking with Godwin. Right, I'm sticking enough. with it. Either um, of those guys, I guess, is a good option. Yeah. You have one more? Oh, from the Chargers-Raiders game. Love to double back. It's just harder to ignore what Tyrell Williams has been doing. I, obviously, he's still a somewhat touchdown-dependent guy. He's a big play threat. He doesn't get a ton of, of volume in the sense that he doesn't get a lot of targets. But, I mean, he's just been a big play guy in that offense. He's had a touchdown. He's had four touchdowns in the last three games combined. Uh, gone over 100 yards in two of them. He's just, uh, he is the guy that Philip Rivers looks to deep down the field. They've been using him on play action. I think Rivers still has a perfect pass rating on play action maybe, or at least somewhere up there. So he's not getting a ton of targets, but he's a big play threat. And so if you're you know desperate for a receiver this week, he's a guy that you could potentially stream with some upside uh, for a touchdown. Yeah, I, uh, well, you're the one who loves Tyrell Williams, right, Craig? Yeah, but only for one game. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, one Smith, however you feel about Des Bryant, he's not going to play this week. And Cam Meredith and Ted Ginn are on IR. And Traquan Smith, he's been doing pretty well, man. I mean, he looks good. I think the Des Bryant news is probably bad for him just in terms of like getting opportunities. But Bengals' pass defense kind of looks worse and worse to me each week. Mm. Uh, I actually thought that they had a chance, but I, I don't know. They've just been abysmal. I guess third most fantasy points per game to receivers, which, my God. Um <laughs> So that that's like a really good stream or DFS play. It's fantastic. All right. I think that's all we got. Thank you, DK. Wow. Do you want to get like lunch tomorrow <laughs> yeah, or something, we could, man? We could wow. have a whole meal of food. Yeah. This is so exciting. Jim, you want to come? Uh, no. <laughs> man. All right. Well, on that note, um, let's get out of here. Let's see you guys on Monday. Sounds good. Meet Sonos Beam, the smart, compact soundbar for your TV. Beam lets you play everything you love, from music and radio to movies, TV, podcasts, and more, all with rich sound that fills the room. It's super simple to set up, but if you don't even want to bother, Sonos will send someone to do it for you. That's right. If you live in any major metropolitan area, Up and Running will have a Sonos expert deliver and set up your system absolutely free. Just order from Sonos.com and select Up and Running at checkout if you qualify. 